My name's Will DeFreeze, and this is the Sunday Scaries Podcast, your cure for the Sunday blues. It's been a short week at work, and it's been a little bit since we've done some listener questions, so why don't we dive right in? Our first one, what's your go-to coffee order at a coffee shop? Rarely do I go to coffee shops these days, I have to admit. And that's solely because I don't like overspending on something as straightforward as coffee is. I kind of like the process of having it at home. I like having it first thing in the morning without having to go into public. And it's pretty rare that I don't drink enough coffee in the morning at home that I need to go somewhere in the middle of the day. I do really enjoy taking my son to go get some relaxing drinks or pastries while we're just enjoying our morning. But even that's just kind of more of a weekend thing and that's more for him than it is for me. But when I do order something at a coffee shop, I really have three things that I kind of rotate. The first and most popular thing that I do is an iced Americano. If you're not familiar with an Americano, allow me to mansplain it for you. It's really just espresso over ice with cold water, and that's why it's an iced Americano. The other thing that I'll mix in is a dirty chai, which is just a regular cup of a chai latte with a shot of espresso in it. Sometimes I like to get two shots of espresso because I'm kind of a wild boy, but it's an enjoyable drink nonetheless. And the final thing that I get if I really don't want too much caffeine is a London Fog, which is just Earl Grey tea in a latte with foamy milk and some vanilla. I always ask them to do a little less vanilla than what they're used to doing, but that's just because I don't like it too sweet. It's an absolute delight. Our next question, what's your current panic room looking like these days? There's nothing better than the evolution of everyone's personal panic room. For those who aren't longtime listeners, I've dubbed panic rooms to be the setup that you have in your living room or your bedroom on a Sunday night to ease your anxieties. And I have to admit, it's been a very long time since I've actually talked about my personal panic room. We've recently upgraded our sheets to some hotel quality sheets that if you've seen some sponsored stuff from the Instagram, you know where they're from. But these are all white sheets. Uh, Despite our dog sleeping on our bed with us, we just really enjoy having the all white sheets. It's just kind of a soothing way to get into bed at night. Uh, I do have a panic room scented candle currently burning in my panic room, which is very fitting. But a candle that's been getting a lot of play lately has actually been the retail therapy sample that we'll be releasing early this fall. More on that later. But everything else on my bedside table is pretty straightforward. I have my AirPod Max headphones that connect with my Apple TV. So if I want to listen to music or if I just want to watch something while my wife falls asleep, I can do that in peace. I also have my Theragun right there. Uh, Sangre de Fruta Botanical Tonic. It's kind of this facial spray that I have that just feels nice once you get into bed. And you can also spray it on your linens so those smell good as well. I've been using a lot of Lubriderm for, you know, making sure that my body is moisturized after being in the sun all day a lot this summer. And for some reason, I can't explain why, but I'm not opposed to it. My wife and I have recently started watching Frasier again, but not before we finish our episode of Love Island this summer. And of course, I always have some books and magazines on my nightstand that I never really touch, but they kind of just make me feel good. What's a brand that you think is underrated as of late? I'm not actually sure how underrated this brand is, but they're a brand that's truly grown on me so much over the last couple of years that I have to give them a good nod right now. And that brand is Necessaire. They have all natural ingredients. That's what's seemingly to me a good price point for what you're getting when it comes to personal care products. The products that have really changed my perception of them are following. 
Uh, the first one's the body wash. I absolutely love it. I've been writing something for the Substack for a while now that's kind of a breakdown of a lot of body washes. I've been calling them it body washes, but I really do love the Necessaire one and I'll probably have that show through on that column. They've got different scents. They've got eucalyptus, which I love. They have a sandalwood, which is equally as enjoyable, and they even have a bergamot, which I'm waiting to try. They also have a body serum, which is unscented and great for sunburns or just hydrating your skin. And I like to lock that in with their body lotion, which is also unscented. I just kind of like the unscented stuff, so it allows me to use the scented things that I do really like the scent of over it. Uh, they also have a shampoo, which is unscented as well, but they also have things that I'd love to try too. They have a new body retinol, and they have a sunscreen for that summer SPF that we all need to be using. Our next question, what are some affordable ways to step up my boyfriend's wardrobe? He's turning 25 and he wants some beach vibes. I do get a little hesitant on scaries uh, as opposed to retail therapy, talking about people's personal fashion. I don't want to direct anyone in one way because I almost feel like you need to kind of find that, that yourself. Uh, but with him being 25, it does tell me a few things, or at least it indicates a few things to me. One is that he might be on a tight budget. Another is that he probably doesn't have much of a tailored aesthetic yet if he's ready to upgrade. And finally, he probably doesn't care as much as you want him to. Here's what I'd do if I'm you. It's all about getting staples. Uh, places like Everlane or AYR are a good place to start. They have solid colors. They have colors that go together. And they have staple pieces that can be layered on top of one another without looking like you're just grabbing stuff randomly out of your closet looking terrible. You can also force him to go through several brands' websites. Maybe just sending him some random pieces that you think look good or just saying, hey, these people have a lot of good stuff. But it's really important to make him fall in love with the brands that he's wearing. If he's not falling in love with them, he's not going to get excited about it and he's not going to care about this journey of upgrading his style. The more in love that he is, the more he'll be willing to splurge on something. And if you use big box stores that carry a ton of brands, uh, it just becomes a little more difficult to get him in on that because he's just not seeing you know, the, the tailored aesthetic of one certain brand. He might just be seeing too much and it might be a little overwhelming. So you really have to find what he falls in love with and then just buy it in different colors or buy it in different, different ways to style it. My favorite thing to do when I fall in love with something is just falling in love with one thing and getting it in a bunch of different colors. The fit, the quality, and the vibe, it's really hard to master all at once, so you have to harness it when you do. If he's looking to upgrade himself, I promise he'll find his way. If you're looking to do it for him, it may take a little longer than you want. Just don't go the fast fashion route. It's truly impossible to fall in love with clothes that aren't high quality and that are just falling apart right in front of your eyes. This week's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything. Your product, the content you create, or even your time. I've been using Squarespace for a decade now. Yes, a decade, which means I've definitely been using them before they came on board as a sponsor. I've loved everything about Squarespace just in general. They've allowed me to do so many things that have launched my business into something that's full-time instead of just a passion project. Not only is everything they do aesthetically pleasing, but they have so many features that just help grow your business. You can collect emails from people that visit your site. You can blog from it and really promote yourself doing that. You can even send out those emails from Squarespace itself and make sure that you are directly connected with your audience. You can sell products on your site. You can do so many different things and you don't even need to know how to code or how to use 
any of that type of software because Squarespace does it all for you and has their templates laid out, I promise you. Squarespace is the easiest way to start a website and promote your brand in a beautiful, beautiful way. Go to squarespace.com scary for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code scary to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Again, that's squarespace.com scaries offer code scaries for 10% off of your first purchase of a website or domain. Do you still think of storylines or character arcs for things girls do after graduation? Whew. Things Girls Do After Graduation, for those who don't know, is a weekly series that I wrote for, I think, three or four years while I was working at Postgrad Problems. I would release it every single Wednesday, and it really became its own beast. I, I really have no other way to describe it. But essentially, for those who didn't read it, what I would do is I would take something that people did in their early 20s or in postgrad life, and I would center it around the storyline of an anonymously named girl and her boyfriend, Todd, and it would just kind of be this storyline of how these two interacted and trudged through life in ways that we've all done. And I really used this girl as as kind of the, I don't know, she kind of encompassed everything that you kind of hate when you go out and you see someone being mean to a waiter, or if you see a couple arguing in public or whatever. And so she just became almost the worst version of ourselves and i really enjoyed writing from her perspective and i do miss writing from her perspective she was a character that i think i saw a lot of myself in which i hesitate to admit but it was fun and so of course because she was so ingrained in me i definitely think of new storylines or arcs for the the series itself i just haven't written any of them uh, i've thought of several lately tinned fish parties uh, getting too many restaurant reservations on open table uh, even baby storylines now that she's probably, I mean, she's already gotten married and, and we have uh, probably a baby in the mix at this point. But I have had some hesitations about doing the series further that lie outside of me not owning the IP for it. I don't think that really matters that I don't have the intellectual property for it at this point. But uh, there are other things. Uh, it's very time consuming to come up with and write. I have a high standard for it. Uh, I'm kind of out of season when it comes to writing the fiction side of things. So I think I would need to really get some reps in before I go. And I think there are certain topics or motifs that could get me in trouble for writing this as a man at this point. I want to make sure that if I do continue to write it or wrap it up, that I do it in a way that I'm completely happy with. And maybe, who knows, this fall, maybe I'll have some more time, but we'll see. Currently, what's on your Sunday reading list? I haven't been reading very much lately. I'm kind of embarrassed to say that, and maybe I need to do that in order to uh, get inspired to write more. But currently, I'm reading World Traveler, an irreverent guide by Anthony Bourdain and Laurie Woolever. And it's fine. I don't know. I'm not in love with it. It's not grabbing me. It's not forcing me to, to just read it at all times, read it on my phone, read it on my tablet, do whatever. It's just whatever. It's just kind of passing time. But on my actual reading list, I do have some other ones that are kind of more vacation reads, I'd say. The first is by one of my favorite current authors and someone who I've read everything else from, uh, Sally Rooney. And that book is Beautiful World, Where Are You? I've loved every other book she's written, like loved, loved. And so it only makes sense that I'll read that eventually, but I'm going out of town for a couple weeks later this month. I think that'll be the time for it. I also have People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry, which is about two best friends, 10 summer trips, and quote, one last chance to fall in love. Whew. And then finally, a book that my wife actually read and borrowed or let someone borrow. So I need to get it back from them. It's by Lucy Foley and it's called The Guest List. 
Uh, it's described as a wedding celebration turns dark and deadly in this deliciously wicked and atmospheric thriller reminiscent of Agatha Christie from the New York Times bestselling author of The Hunting Party. I don't know anything about these books, but I know that my wife has read a couple of them and she did enjoy them. So I think vacation might be filled with some reading as we move forward here. What scented candles are you burning this summer? Currently, as I said in my panic room, I've actually been burning a lot of panic room by yours truly, Sunday Scaries. But I recently told my wife that I think we need to make some new scented candle purchases because it's been a while. We can only burn our personal Sunday Scaries candles so often. And so sometimes we like to have a mixing candle just to have a little fun. This was inspired uh, by when I was at someone's house recently and I noticed on their, their table that they had a Sear Trudon Abdelkader scented candle. Uh, it's probably my favorite summer scented candle. I have a very deep connection with it after I would smell it all the time at my old job. And I, I really did enjoy working on the sales floor every summer at my old job. And we would burn a lot of Sear Trudon candles. If you're not familiar with this candle, it says a Sear Trudon classic. The classic candle fits all occasions. Perfumes each and every room. Available in all scents, it is the most iconic. They are manufactured at the Trudon Workshop in Normandy, France, using unrivaled know-how inherited from master candle makers. A gust of freedom blowing in the mascara coast in the mountains picks up on its way. The greener scents of fresh mint, the rashness of fights, ginger's hot and peppered air, and the perfume of tea and tobacco. It's a little overwrought, but I promise it smells amazing, even if it costs about $120. From start to finish, how do you go about producing an episode of this podcast? I mean, it's pretty straightforward, but it is a little time consuming. I have to choose topics. I have a running list of topics that I have at the top of my rundown. These could be seasonal trends. They could be just general vibe things. They just could be things that I'm implored to talk about that day. It could be something I'm going through emotionally that I try to put into some form of a podcast segment. I don't know. But the most exhaustive part of it is the writing portion. Once I've determined a few things to write about or a few things to talk about, I really go through and I make an outline for myself. I used to script it and script every exact word. I don't do that as much anymore. I found that the podcast feels a little more friendly, a little more conversational when I don't script everything. And so I try not to do that. But each one is about a thousand words. And so that's a couple columns. I mean, we're, we're writing a lot. Uh, when it comes to recording, it doesn't take me very long. It really takes me about 30 minutes to sit down and record. The issues that arise are if I stumble over my words, if I have trouble during an ad read, if I say something that I just don't like, and then I just kind of throw it to the editing. I clean up the sound. I make sure that there's no long, awkward pauses. I put the music in behind everything. It's my least favorite part, the editing for sure, but it also is not that exhaustive, so I don't worry too much about it. One of my favorite parts of it is just scheduling everything out and marketing it. I think that's what I'm best at and that's what I like to do. And so you have to write the episode descriptions, you have to make graphics that are you know, allocated to the correct social outlets. And then that's when the marketing really starts to happen. I schedule tweets, or maybe in this case, I can start scheduling threads. I promote it through the Instagram, which I think is the most effective. And I include it in a newsletter on Substack, which also is a whole different beast, which you can find in the description of this episode. But doing the Substack is a way to promote the podcast, but it's also kind of scratches that writing itch that I've kind of talked about a couple times today. And hopefully, just hopefully, it eventually finds you. And I think if you're listening to this, it obviously has. Our final question today, I'm taking a job that's offering less money in a different field because I've been so miserable lately. That's okay, right? For me, I've always done a lot of building up of things in my head. 
I kind of think that's how my anxiety began. And I think that's how I ended up creating Sunday Scaries out of that anxiety. I've been told numerous times that I'm a worrier in my entire life, which has just kind of been a gift and a curse. It's a gift in that I've always been, or at least felt, prepared for things that I've done. Mainly big things in life, like leaving a job, making a speech, things that cause a lot of people anxiety. I run the scenarios through my head over and over and over. And sometimes it inspires confidence through repetition. But other times it's that curse. It causes me to buckle from overthinking. It gives me certain expectations that find themselves too much in the forefront of my mind. When I thought about quitting my full-time job to pursue Sunday Scaries and watched media full-time instead, I really thought I'd be paralyzed by the fear when I did it. And I really wasn't. I was giving up a salary, I was giving up health insurance, I was giving up the consistency that I'd known for years leading up to this point. But when I actually had to do it, I'd really built it up so much in my head that I was more than ready to get that dark cloud out from over my head. Obviously hindsight's 2020 and it was one of the best decisions I've ever made, but when the corporate breakup finally became official and I was in the most uncertain situation of my life, I wasn't really worried anymore. I wasn't miserable from doing things that I didn't want to do. I wasn't dreading going to work and talking to people I didn't want to talk to anymore. I wasn't doing tasks that brought me down every day, that made me want to leave, that made me want to do things that weren't the thing that I was currently doing. I finally had all the license in the world to do what I wanted to do rather than continue feeling miserable. So yeah, I think what you're doing is probably okay, right? If you liked what you heard today, make sure to subscribe, review, or tell a friend in need about this podcast. By subscribing, you guarantee that each and every episode gets delivered directly to your phone every Sunday morning. You can also follow along on Twitter, at Sunday Scaries, and Instagram, which is at Sunday.Scaries, or you can follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Will DeFreeze. And remember, always trim the wicks on your scented candles. We'll see you next Sunday.